It's been nearly a year since the launch of our podcast, Nightmare in Chowchilla, the school bus kidnapping. And the story continues to unfold. This past March, the California Parole Board recommended Fred Woods, the ringleader of the shocking kidnapping, be released from prison. He wasn't supposed to be up for parole until 2024. But today, Fred Woods is a free man. After more than four decades behind bars, the 70-year-old Woods quietly left the California men's colony in San Luis Obispo on August 25, 2022. This after being denied parole 17 times. So what now? Where is Fred Woods, the man who orchestrated the largest mass kidnapping in U.S. history? The man who came from a wealthy Bay Area family and was driven by greed to kidnap a busload of children and their bus driver and bury them alive. How do the kids, now adults in their 50s, feel about his release? Back in 1981, survivors were taken aback when the kidnapper's original sentence of life without parole was overturned. So I wanted to find out how they were feeling about how things turned out. Because today, all three of the men who kidnapped them back in 1976 are out of prison. My producer Doreen Tanner and I caught up with Larry Park, Jennifer Brown Hyde, and Mike Marshall. Throughout the journey of working on this podcast, their voices have been front and center as they graciously shared their traumas and their victories. Larry Park, who was six years old when he was kidnapped, continues to heal from the emotional wounds he suffered that dark night. He's been very open and vocal about his advocacy for the release of all three of his abductors. And he talks a lot about forgiveness, their regret in the kidnapping scheme, and his need to apologize to them for hating them for so long. Larry says no one deserves that. The brothers, Richard and James Schoenfeld, were released in 2012 and 2015, respectively. Over the past few years, Larry has met personally with the brothers and with Fred Woods. He says he knows he may be in the minority among the other survivors pushing for the kidnapper's release, but Larry says he's okay with that. All right, so Fred Woods, uh, the man who caused so much trauma in your life, is now walking the streets of California somewhere. What are your thoughts when you think about that? Uh, well, you know, I'm very happy that he is out. You know, what I told him in the board hearing is that if he would honor me at all to get out and just have a great life. And so hopefully that's what he's doing, just having a great life. You wanted to be there when he stepped out of prison. What were you told about meeting with Uh, him in person? Well, I wanted to be there... You know, I just wanted to hug his neck on his way out to his freedom and send him off right. But uh, the CDC, the Department of Corrections, wouldn't let me know what day and time he was actually getting out. And I cannot see him while he's on parole because his parole officer said that he can't have contact with us. It's just an incredible story that you're telling me here. I I do want to ask you, um, because you spoke to Gary, Fred's lawyer, Gary Uh Dubkoff, 
What did he tell you about one of the things that he did immediately after getting out of prison? Oh, yeah, the they took him to the beach. I mean, you know, he, he's been in jail over 40 years. And so they took him to the beach and he took his shoes off and walked across the sand and he waded in the water and just stood and looked out over the ocean. And I mean, from listening to Gary, he, he was just mesmerized by the whole experience. And dang, man, to have that that breath of freedom after being a prisoner for so long. Man, you know, I lived 41 years, I guess, and was a prisoner of my own mind, not just going in and out of youth authority and jail and mental institutions, but I was just a prisoner in my mind. And I remember waking up that morning that I had given forgiveness, that I would have victory over this voice in my head that I had had for so long that I called Mr. And, and I woke up that, that next morning and I hadn't had a nightmare. And when I woke up, when I inhaled that first breath, there was just like a, a sweet, honey taste to it a a a taste that you know the bible says to test the lord and see that he is good and man that that sense of freedom knowing that that i'm not trapped that i'm not a prisoner anymore that i have an actual life and a purpose and a promise and a plan that that right there, there's nothing like it. I can just imagine how Fred felt standing on that beach looking over the ocean. Have you heard any more details about where he's living or what he's going to do with the rest of his life? No, I have not. You know, I don't get to talk to him for a year. But uh, I'm telling you what, when that year is over, I want to have steak with Fred. I want to take him to a steakhouse and treat him to dinner and just talk to him about what this year has been like, what his plans are, you know, and just get a chance to catch up with him and see how he's doing. It sounds like you want to lend him your support. I, I, I would not be who I am today without all three of those men. You know, we are only as alone as we choose to be. And I choose to not let any three of those men be alone. I don't want them to be alone. I want them to know that there is a promise and a hope for their futures. I want them to know it. Some of the other survivors don't see it the same way. I mean, it is uh, it's hard. Forgiveness is not something that you come across easily. And I want everyone to know, I did not ask for these memories. These memories were forced upon me. And that's the same with all of us. These memories were forced upon us. This life that we have lived, it has been forced upon us. You know, if they're not ready to forgive, 
then they're not ready to forgive. And, and again, there's no shame. There's no guilt in that. I pray for all of us regularly that we will find peace and joy and prosperity in our lives. Jennifer Brown Hyde, who was just nine when she rode the bus home that fateful day, has certainly found peace, joy, and prosperity, and says she tries to focus on the good in her life. That good includes a beautiful and thriving family and a satisfying career. It is, and people are amazed. People I work with or people I meet are like, once they find out about the kidnapping, they're like, oh my God, you're so normal. I'm like, well, how would you like me to be? (laughs) I mean, I'm a functioning adult. I have two boys I've raised and a new grandbaby and a, a career and a job and a life and, you know. I mean, that is what I have made of the life that I have been given. And it could have easily gone a whole different direction, but that's just not me. I choose to see the positive in a lot of things that life has given me. And so the kidnapping was the start of a very traumatic childhood that progressed into my early 20s. And I had to get a grip on things and I had to decide that I was going to live a better life no matter what had been thrown at me and go forward instead of backward. In her effort to keep Fred Woods locked up, Jennifer spoke at both of his parole hearings this year. So basically I just said that I thought it would be a mistake for the whole state of California if he was to be released because I did not feel that he has Um, changed his mentality and his way of thinking. I spoke to the parole board and told them that I didn't feel that his behavior has changed because he still was getting himself in trouble in prison. There were a few violations and I just feel that he feels that he's above the law. I try not to let it affect my day-to-day life. I was emotional about it for a few days. And I had always said that it was up to the judicial system as far as when and if any of them were released, that I can speak my mind, but that I refused to allow them to take my joy and steal my joy on a daily basis. And so I just let it go. I said what I had to say, and I've had to just learn to put that where it belongs in a box, and I bring it out when I need to. And for me, it's pretty much done and over with at this point. The story of what happened in Chowchilla, California on July 15th, 1976, lives on through movies, songs, media, yours truly included. I wondered if Fred Woods' release would mark the final chapter in this dark and chilling story. For Jennifer, the answer is no. There will never, ever be full closure. It's a lifelong struggle in some regards on a daily basis, only because every day that I go to bed, I still sleep with the nightlight. I'm not fearful of the dark, but it's easier for me if I wake up in the middle of the night that I could see where I am, because in my subconscious mind back there somewhere, I think I lost a lot of years of my childhood. And so when I get into a deep sleep and I wake up or am startled awake, it's easier for me to wake up in a room full of light and I can see my family pictures on the wall and I can know where I am. So on a daily basis, it's still a struggle. It's something that I don't feel will ever go away. 
I don't walk around with fear and anger and resentment and hostility. I let that go a few years ago. Um, I wouldn't say that I have forgiven my kidnappers, but I live a wonderful life, not because of them, but because of what I have been able to overcome no matter what they have thrown at us. And so that sometimes can be a daily struggle when my phone rings nonstop from calls from reporters or my emails or that. I have to stop and just say, okay, I can only handle so much emotional things sometimes. And sometimes I just have to say, no, I'm not interested in doing an interview or today's not a good day for me to talk and you can call me another day or you can find somebody else to give you the quote you need. Earlier this year, I spoke to Mike Marshall, who was 14 in 1976 and deserves a lot of the credit for digging everyone out of their underground tomb in a Livermore rock quarry owned by Fred Wood's father. 46 years later, Mike is still coping with the trauma he suffered being buried alive, along with 25 other children and bus driver Ed Ray. Can you hear me? It's Claudia Cowan calling with Fox News Channel. Oh, yeah, hi. How How's are you? I'm good. How are you good. doing? Good, good, thanks. Just trucking along. <laughs> uh, well, I'm sure you're aware that Fred Woods has been recommended for parole, and so the other reason I'm calling you is to find out how you feel about that. Well, of course I don't, you know, like it, but uh, I never really felt like they were going to spend the rest of their life in prison anyway. But I I didn't think it would bother me as much as it kind of did. I, I really kind of separate myself a little bit from that stuff because I figured they're going to get out. It's God's will to get out. But um, looking at the positive side of it, which I always try to do, you know, maybe it'll all kind of go away now. You know, they won't have to bring it up all the time and then we just move on. Mm-hmm. And uh, i just been so freaking emotional these days, and I can't figure out why. Because I'm not really that kind of a guy, but hmm. other, than that, other than that, we're good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> of course, I'm curious, and you may be too, about where Fred Woods is now and what he's doing. My team and I have reached out to his lawyers to speak with him, but they haven't returned our calls or emails. But I do have a sense of how Fred is feeling, or at least how he might be feeling. Ten years ago, he responded to a Fox News producer who wrote to him requesting a jailhouse interview. In his typed reply, Fred reflected on the kidnapping and all the pain he caused. These are his words, quote, I don't have the words to say how sorry I am to everyone who was and continues to be affected by my crime. Somebody might think that, after so many years, my feelings of sadness and remorse would have somehow lessened but exactly the opposite is true. As I got older, the feelings only got worse, with my maturing understanding of the full enormity of what I did. I must live with those feelings every day. There is nothing I wouldn't do to take back that day, but I guess time can only be turned back in the movies or on TV. I would like any victim who is interested to contact me in prison if it would ease their fears, although I know there is no apology in the world that could make up for what I did. 
I would still like to make the effort, and for all to know, they have nothing to be afraid of from me or in their future. I would not ask or expect their forgiveness, as each must decide that on their own. I would ask only that if there is anything I could say to help end their personal fears. For now, at least, Fred's parole officer won't let him have contact with any of the survivors. But Larry says when that restriction goes away, he wants to take Fred to dinner. I wonder if they'll talk about the kidnapping and how this unlikely friendship will evolve and how Fred will spend the rest of his life. If we learn more, we'll share it with you. Thank you for listening. I'm Charles Payne. Listen to my Unstoppable Prosperity podcast so I can get you making money right now. Whether stocks are hitting new all-time highs or in free-fall mode, opportunities abound. So why are so many potential investors still sitting on the sidelines? In a new season of my podcast, I'm going to get you in the game. After 38 years on Wall Street, I'm ready to impart some lessons and get you invested in the greatest wealth-generating machine in history. Listen anytime, everywhere at foxbusinesspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast.